Welcome to A Break From The Grind. I'm your host, Jason, and this is my co-host, George. Say hi to the people, George. Hello, people. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Halloween. Happy Thanksgiving. Are you saying that because it's taking me forever to get podcasts out, and it may actually be Christmas before people actually hear this one? I might be. Yes. Yes, I might be. Sorry, I had a few. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. (laughs) I had a drink or two before, so if if you hear me here. It's such a drink minimum. Remember that. It is. I had two. So we're recording on a Wednesday night instead of a Tuesday, now that you'd know that, because it's coming out on some random <laughs> it's coming. It's coming out on a Thursday. Three weeks, four weeks from October. now. In October. Right. <laughs> um, it is not going to be a normal show. Uh, we do not have a guest. We had one and he backed out, and we had another one and then he couldn't do it on this day, so uh, we thought of things to do. There's something I've been wanting to do for a long time, and it is currently June 21st. Uh, when we were recording this, yesterday was the fifth year anniversary of my brother's suicide. And I wanted to do this show since December, since uh, his birthday. Um, at that time, we were doing Toys for Tots. I didn't want to step on Toys for Tots. Uh, so what I decided to do was go ahead and wait until now. Um, and it, like I said, it's five years as of yesterday. And I'm going to tell about the story of what happened to him and what I think led to him killing himself. Um, The backstory behind it. So one of the things George and I wanted to do when we started talking about doing this episode was maybe give back a little. What we're going to do is we're going to have a fantasy football league uh, best ball, I think, George, right? So you just set it and forget it. Uh, They're they're all the rage right now. Everybody's doing them. So we're going to set up a 32-team... George wants to do all kinds of crazy, you know. What? I'm I'm going ape shit, bat shit crazy with this league. This is going to be probably the most insane league anybody has ever joined. Yeah, George wants to do some weird stuff with the league, and that's fine. What uh, we're looking for: thirty-two teams, ten-dollar donation. Winner gets fifty dollars. So it's not going to take a lot of money out of your pocket. A small amount, but it's going to be a worthwhile amount. Any anything two hundred seven dollars is a good amount. So anything given to a charity that they didn't have before, um, the charity we chose is the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. That's the AFSP. It's the it's a nonprofit organization dedicated to understanding and preventing suicide through research, education, advocacy, and reaching out to people with mental disorders and other people impacted by suicide. One thing I'll say is we looked up charities for suicide prevention. Yep. Honestly, the, there's not a lot of them out there, which is surprising. Uh, you know, there's there's charities for the suicide hotlines, which they do great work. I was trying to find charities to that support the victims' families, and there really isn't much out there for that at all. Uh, we were trying to find something for for military suicides, and there wasn't anything big enough that I could quickly there wasn't verify. anything out there that you could verify and ensure that that the money that we're going to attempt to raise or i should say that we are going to raise is, is going to a trustworthy cause so, um but what i can say is the afsp is a national organization they have been ranked by chair the the companies that that rate charities it has a high ranking most of its money i mean every Every company has overhead, right? But this is this ranks high uh, as far as what money goes to the charity versus what money goes to the overhead. 
Um, it ranks high in, in, in achieving its goals. So I think um, being able to donate to this, plus they have a local chapter in Central Florida, which is nice. We can keep it local. We can, yeah, support. Uh, it won't be local for you guys, but it'll be local for us. So that's what we want to do with uh, as far as a charity goes for. It's 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 money that's going to go towards a good cause for, for somebody else. Yep. I mean, if we can, you know, give some money to help prevent from somebody else from having to go through this. Uh, it, it's definitely a worthwhile cause. So, guys, uh, what we're going to end up doing after this post, after this episode post, um, we're going to release like information about what the league's going to be, sign up information, that kind of stuff. So look for so look for the my fantasy league um, link. George is going to set it up for me. You know, let's let's raise a little bit of money for for a worthwhile cause. One thing I wanted to mention before I got into the actual story were some some statistics about suicide. A lot of people have heard the numbers, but uh, each year thirty almost thirty five thousand people die by suicide. That's ninety four per day. More people die by suicide than by homicide by almost double. It's the 11th leading cause of death across all ages, and 54% are completed by firearm. Every year, 864,950 people attempt suicide. That means one suicide attempt per 38 seconds. 395,000 people are treated in emergency rooms every year for self-inflicted injuries. That's not including accidents. That's like people doing it on purpose. 3.7% of the U.S. population... That's 8.3 million people had thoughts of suicide. And, uh, I mean, you guys have heard the statistics. I know I'm boring you now with that. Um, keeping with our, keeping with our theme of giving money to like a, a, a charity, mm-hmm. uh, I'd like to look up, uh, we're going to do some stats about military suicides. Yep. And George, did you have those or? No, actually what I was doing. And it's something that you probably... So, let me backtrack a little bit. And I know I tend to do this quite often and people hate it, but I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> um, so, Jason's going to go into a little bit of, of the story about the background on his brother, um, what he believes led up to it, and what happened and whatnot. And Jason and I have known each other for a couple of years now. Uh, pretty good friends. Really good friends, I would say. I haven't heard this story. Um it's not something that I ever felt was my place to ask. So when Jason tells this story, I'll be hearing it for the first time as well. Um, I just want people to know that. Also, um, something I don't think Jason knows about me is I've actually had a pretty close family member commit suicide himself. Um, the difference between my cousin committing suicide and Jason's brother was, my cousin was in prison at the time, um, which the suicide rates in prison are astronomically high, or I should say astronomically higher um, than just normal people who, who go ahead and commit suicide. Um, so this is a subject when, when Jason approached me, I was, all, A, I was all on board from the get-go because I know it's something that is a big deal in Jason's life. And it's also something that has personally affected me as well. Um, and again, I don't, I don't think I ever told you about my cousin. No, no. I when I just mentioned it a minute ago, you just kind of looked up like, really? <laughs> so, it's it's one of the things that you 
you learn when you are a person left behind by a family member committing suicide that there really are walls put up about it. Uh, I'm not, I don't know how deep emotionally I'm going to get in the story or if I'm just going to tell the story because I'm not going to, I don't know how it's going to, I didn't plan it. I have some bullet points on stuff I want to touch on. Um, but it changes you in, in drastic ways that you don't even think about. Um, I come on here and I joke and it really is a break from like my normal everyday everything. Yeah, it's, it's a, literally a break from our everyday life. And it allows Jason and I, A, to have fantastic conversations with people that we don't know. Um, it allows us to, to joke. It allows our, our personality to come out to, you know, make jokes and we nitpick at each other and we poke fun of the people that we have on the show. Um, but it's just a break from everyday life. Well, so what I'm going to say is you hear the outgoing me every week. When I do my show, you hear the me that doesn't, it doesn't matter what I say. Like I just let stuff fly and and it's funny and it's, it's sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but in my personal life, I don't do that as much as I used to. And my wife attributes a lot of that to, to this, to my brother dying. She's, she, she thinks that it's, she thinks it has everything to do with it. She thinks that I've closed myself off a lot because of it. And we've worked through a lot of that and constantly struggle through lack of communicate. What she says is lack of communication. Uh, and I just tell her I'm busy. And then when I get home, I don't want to talk, <laughs> but, um, but it, it, what, what a lot of people don't understand is how badly it affects the people. Like, obviously my brother died and obviously his, ex-fiance and my niece are the most affected but you know my parents are and will forever be devastated yeah they've had to do something that no parent should ever have to do and my mom still doesn't celebrate mother's day and so the words that she said at one point were i have one son that's doing great and one son that killed himself and 50 percent is not worth selling celebrating and i don't know (laughs) It just it it's crushing. Their yep. their relationship will never be the same with each other. Her relationship with me will never be the same as it was. Holidays will never be the same. Nothing, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so getting into the story a little bit, the thing I'm going to start at the end. It's not really the end, but I'm going to start at the end. So, the thing I'm I'm never going to forget. Sorry, it's supposed to be a dumb, <laughs> dumb laugh podcast. Uh, the thing I'm never going to forget is the phone call at three o'clock in the morning from my mom. And the words are never going to come out of my head. Jason, your brother's dead. You don't expect it. Even though there were problems, you don't expect it. And here's the thing. It wasn't his first attempt. It's not like I didn't know he did. He didn't have problems, but. That's the thing I'm never going to forget for the rest of my life. It's, I don't remember his voice five years later. I remember conversations, but I can't remember the, the tone of his voice. But that call, the way that was said, that'll that'll never leave me. Um, So how it started, my brother was smart. He never went to college. He ran cable for a while, and he was really good at it, right? Mm-hmm. 
So he got a management job uh, as high as he could get in the company without having a degree. And he made a lot of money. I mean, a crazy amount of money. This was 2005, 2006, 2007. You know, times were good. People were People had jobs. Money was good. A lot of cable installs. So he's a manager and made a lot. But like a lot of people, he lived well among his uh, above his means. And I say that because I was making good money. I was working for the space shuttle program. And when when he went out and bought the newest Xbox, had a new car, had nice stuff, had, you know, and was asking me why when I made decent money, I didn't have any of that. I didn't understand it either, honestly. I never could figure out why at the end of the month I had some money to save, but I didn't have anything cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, why, it, why didn't you have any toys or? You know, I had any- some, and don't get me wrong. I, I, you know, we lived well. I had, I had one child. So did he. But you know, my wife made what, basically what his wife made. I made a little. I made a little bit less than him, but not by a crazy amount. Not, so, in my head, I'm going. What am I doing so wrong, that? At He's the got end, all this stuff yeah. at the end of the month, and and I don't have a third of it. Right. Exactly. So. We all know what ended up happening, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010. We know the the economy turned for the worse. Mm-hmm. People gave up cable, like, in record numbers. Install, not only... <laughs> it was a luxury. Yeah. Disconnects, a lot of disconnects, a lot of, a lot of cancellations. Nobody was getting installs. Nobody was buying a house. At about that time, wasn't it also the introduction of Netflix? Well, Netflix... Yeah, some of those things hurt too, uh, but not uh, really. It was more people were just losing their houses. Yeah, and just walking away, <laughs> walking away. Especially like where we live. I mean, I I lived out here the the whole time of the market crash. Um, my father was in real estate at that time when he, his big thing was flipping houses, and he made amazing money at it. He was making almost you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year doing it. And when the market crashed, he got caught with almost $750,000 worth of properties he could not sell. Right. So, I mean, and it would be nothing, you know, to see somebody just pack up and be gone the next day. And a house just eventually would foreclose, but just be abandoned. Just people up and moving because there's no work out here. There's nothing. And at that time, uh, something to note about the county we live in, a large percentage of the population here or are or were and and are again covered basically by government funding through Patrick Air Force Base which is um a large government employer they they have subcontractors that work for them and yep. and uh so a lot of people work out there and same with Kennedy Space Center Cape Canaveral Air Force Station while this was all going on Government was trying to cut spending in certain areas. So this whole area was as bad as as anywhere in the country was with the economic downturn. My brother lost his job. Uh, Went from making for the area what was really, really good money to being a high school diploma, barely having non-college with no real skills besides running cable. And he couldn't get a job. Yep. He worked at a couple gas stations under the table for a while, while they were allowed, while he was allowed to do that. 
some friends of his owned one and he worked there. But the idea of him making what he was making was basically impossible. This is when I found out this is when I found out how he had all the toys he had. He had refinanced his house, he had gotten into large credit card debt. Pretty much any of the bad ways you could totally fuck up your life financially. That's how he lived. Yep. I know many people that did that. But that's how he had everything. I mean, you know, he had a nice house, he had new cars, he had you know, anything at the time, anything you thought a 27, 28, 5 years ago, how old was he? Like a 32-year-old? Anything a 32-year-old that grew up in the 80s would want, you know, all the games and everything. He all, had. He had it. And he was used to that. What made it worse is while, instead of asking for help right away, he thought he was going to be able to get another job pretty quickly, so he financed his lifestyle through more credit. And that made it worse. That made it a lot worse. So none of us really knew he had a problem financially at all until several months after he got let go. We all saw him working here and there. He had side jobs. Thought he was making money. Still living a decent lifestyle. Didn't ask for help. Nobody saw any kind of warning signs. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. he seemed to be doing okay. And then I remember hearing from my parents that they had to give him a shit ton of money to just stay afloat one, one month. Like, out of the blue, he asked for help. And when when my parents saw his financial situation... It was too late. It was it was way too late. It was way too late. But on top of everything else, I don't know if you've been in a situation where you've been without a job for a little while. I've only gone three months. That's mm. the longest I've ever been without one. I took I, when I when I left the sheriff's office. I took took about four months because my my last check was from them. I got to sell back all my uh, vacation time, which I had a ton of on my sick leave that I had I never used. Um, so my, my last check was upwards of six grand. So I never, I took four months off, just stayed home. It was a, a very long break before between jobs, but it wasn't because I didn't want to work. Well, it was because I, I didn't want to work, not because I just couldn't get a job. The longest I've gone was three months. Yeah. So after I left the space shuttle program, I basically had a job lined up. Looking back, that was right around the time my brother was struggling. And and I think to myself, like, it was a huge slap in his face because I left a good job and got... It wasn't the greatest job. It wasn't... It didn't pay nearly what it, the space shuttle program paid. But I went from a job where I could support myself to a job where I could support myself within basically a week. But after that job, before my current job, I had a three-month stretch. And towards the end of that three-month stretch, I started to panic. The money I had saved for that kind of day was basically gone. Yep. So I really started to panic. And I started to feel what I imagined my brother went through, which was panic. And he went through it worse because of his debt. But panic about being able to keep the roof over my wife's head, over my, over my, at the time I only had a daughter, no, no, I had my son too. Um, so, it, my kids had uh, food on the table. And look, my parents aren't wealthy. My grandfather had some money. My parents aren't wealthy, but they constantly reassured me that everything would be okay. But panic sets in, and depression starts to set in. And not because I didn't think I could get a job, 
there's a giant difference between getting a job and getting a job that supports. Mm-hmm. I could have gotten a job and we could have sold the house and we could have moved into a small apartment and we could have made it. But that's not that's not the dream you have. No. So. So depression set in, started to set in for me, and I can only imagine what it after six months, seven months, eight months with my brother working under the table jobs and that kind of thing. And in the financial situation he was in, what he started to think, especially after hiding it for so long and then being so ashamed of it because I had the conversation with him about it. I said, why didn't you come forward sooner? And he said, we were raised to be independent. It wasn't a household where they said they'd never help you after you turned 18, but we were raised to be self-sufficient. And my parents have helped me immensely without me ever asking. So I'm not saying they don't help or they won't. But it was hard to go and ask. It really was hard to go and ask. And he said, I felt like a failure and I couldn't go to him until I absolutely had to. So that's the start of it. The financial the financial meltdown, him losing his job, him only working under the table. That was kind of the start. That was the beginning of the end. And I know I'm probably boring everybody to death. And then bad got went to worse. He borrowed money from me for a little money from me and didn't return it. And I talked to him a little bit here and there, but he, I, I have this in my head when I give somebody money, I assume it's gone. And if I get it back, I'm appreciative. Like, I'm not appreciative of him of returning my money, but in my head, I think that money was gone and he's giving me some of it back because I never give money away thinking, oh, well, I'm going to see every dime of this back because I know how people are. Yep. It doesn't happen. There's a reason why you're giving somebody money in the first place. So unless their situation changes drastically, you're never going to see, you're never going to see the money again. So when I gave him money, I didn't expect it. I got a call from him one day saying, hey, I've got your money. Let's meet up. So we met up at a gas station between our two houses. When he got out of the car, I didn't recognize him. Not a bit. I hadn't seen him in a couple months. It was in the summer. There was no family get-togethers. We talked. But I hadn't seen him, and I didn't recognize him. He was 60 pounds lighter than he was when I met him. Looked completely different. And I thought to myself... There's something wrong. There's really something wrong here. He told me he had all the money. When he showed up, he had half. And again, I thought to myself, I'm getting half back. This is fine. But I remember talking to my dad afterwards and saying, there's something wrong there. He doesn't look right. He doesn't look the same. He's lost a lot of weight. And my dad, so my brother had diabetes long before I did. And he wasn't as big as I am. My dad attributed it to that and I said dad I don't know I said he doesn't look like the man I've I've seen in my life um shortly thereafter he got arrested for having medicine in a container that wasn't marked he played it off as that it was his he just combined all his pills I mean who hasn't like I have a thing that has the Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday because I take so many different pills for blood pressure and diabetes and this that and the other they're like, I, I combine it into a weekly thing. It's not yes. in marked pill containers. So you don't even think about it. So you don't think about it. So he got pulled over. It was at 2 o'clock in the morning. But he got pulled over with medicine that wasn't marked. Taken to jail. 
I think the charges ended up getting dropped anyway, but he he convinced everybody it was medicine that wasn't, you know, his. Or that was his. And that he just, from that point on, I just knew, on top of seeing him differently, I knew there was something there. At that point, also, a little bit later, he got kicked out of the house that he was living in with my, with his fiance and my niece. They had found some drug paraphernalia in the house. So it was fairly obvious what was wrong was he was on one drug or another. He'd bounced a check to a place that sold bath salts online. So we knew he did that. I knew he'd tried meth. I know he'd done cocaine. I'm not sure about stronger stuff, but he had started doing a pretty decent amount of drugs. And you could tell. He had borrowed money. From me, he borrowed money from my parents, he borrowed money from my uncle, pretty much everybody. Whoever would let him borrow. Whoever would give him money. So here's the thing. He asked me to stay at my house. And this was before my son was born, actually. He asked to stay at my house. My wife was pregnant, my daughter was young, and I knew he was doing drugs. And I told him no. I told him no. Honestly, can't blame you. I mean, you gotta look out. I mean, yes, he's your brother. You know, his family. But at the same time, you also have to look out for the family that you're growing at that time. <laughs> I mean, you've got a wife, you've got a daughter. I mean, how would you feel if your daughter got into something that he was taking that he shouldn't have been? Yep. I mean, it's knowing what you knew at the time, you you can't hold yourself responsible for turning him down. So I, I rationalized it the same way. I, I mean, and, I, and it still makes sense 100% in my head. I still don't know what would have happened if we let him stay there. And we didn't. At the same time, I was paying a cell phone bill. Way before this happened, I had him on my account. And then we were splitting it. Because it was cheaper. Having two accounts to having one. So it was back when cell phone bills were stupid expensive. And we split it. Well, after a while, he couldn't pay it. So I was just paying it every month. You had to pay to keep yours on. Well... I could have canceled him. I could have canceled his line. But I didn't partially because that way I could keep tabs on him a little bit. Yep. If his phone was on, we could get a hold of him. Honestly, I could pay 10 bucks if I really needed to and find out where his phone was because there was a family locators. I never did it. I could have. But it was a rational. It was rationale in my head. Yep. So I paid for a cell phone bill. I also paid him money to come mow the yard for me i told him i said that my backyard had become overgrown along the fence line i said i'll give you some money so you can buy food and and pay your rent and i was being naive or i was being i guess naive but more enabler because i i kind of doubt that money went to a place to stay although he stayed somewhere but i paid him money to take care of my yard and that way i could at least keep track of him a little bit. I knew where he was sometimes during the week. So I did that for a while, and then after I gave him the money, he didn't come back. And I hadn't seen him for like a month, month and a half. Talked to him once or twice, asked him to come over. My wife came home from work one day, and the house wasn't broken into, per se, but there was money missing. We had a change jar, and... All the pennies were on the floor and all the silver, all the all the other coins were gone. Probably, I don't know, like 80, 90 bucks worth of silver 
worth a change. Yep. My wife's um, by my wife's bed, the the nightstand had been rooted through. Pills were gone. Money, cash was gone. Um, I mean, our medicine cabinet had been rooted through. Any kind of medicine, any pain medicine. I have a bad back. Any kind of pain medicine that was up there was gone. Some of my wife's jewelry was gone. Some small electronic items that were mildly worth pawning or selling were gone. And at that point, we didn't know my brother was in such bad shape, so I didn't think of him outright. I didn't. We called the police. I rushed home because my wife was panicky and pregnant and emotional. And I rushed home from work. And police came and they asked us questions. And we didn't hear anything about it for a little while. And it bugged me that the house hadn't been broken into. All the doors were closed. The back porch door key was gone. The key we kept on the... So the back porch door we kept on a sill by the back porch. And it was gone. And I hadn't... I hadn't looked for it in a while because I don't care... the back porch, it was a waste. It was basically storage and stuff we didn't use. Yeah, you don't go out there often. So I, in my head, I left it. I thought, okay, my wife left the back porch open and somebody came in and took our shit. We changed the back door lock immediately. A little bit later, my parents realized that a lot of their shit had been taken too. But it was subtle stuff. My parents had some silver dollars from a long time ago. Shit that was worth, you know, the silver that was worth a lot more than just the dollar. Yep. Jewelry, stuff that would be in drawers, but, like, wouldn't be immediately obvious. Yeah, you would have to know where it was at. Well, we put two and two together, obviously. My brother, when he was doing the doing my yard, took the key. He took the key. He he knew right where everything we had was, and he took what he wanted. My parents, my mom didn't want to believe it, but the fact, again, nobody broke into their house. Stuff was just missing. Yep. And it's not stuff that you would just put in a place and then forget, oh, and find it later. And then we went to the closest you buy cat, you know, but you buy gold place or pawn shop. And there was a bunch of stuff signed for, sold by my brother. All the stuff was gone. I mean, you know, to their credit, they kept it for a while, but by the time we figured out what was going, what on, was going on, they already resold it. Well, so the you, the you buy gold place, like they take the. They take the jewels out of a ring and melt the gold down or sell, yep. send the gold off. Uh, my mom was able to get some of the actual jewels back from her ring. She bought them. Like, they don't just give them back. Yeah, no. So they were nice. They gave them to her what they paid for it. They didn't mark anything up. So that's when we stopped talking to him whatsoever. And that went on for a long time. And that hurt. First of all, I was still paying his cell phone bill. But he'd call and we wouldn't answer. I wouldn't. He, at that point, I was making less money than I had made in more than a decade. The money in that jar was a vacation. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't a lot. But it was going to be a weekend getaway without my daughter. Yep. I didn't have this stupid show to, to get away from my daily grind. <laughs> um, And we weren't struggling financially, but all my savings were gone. You know, I was out of work for three months. I had to pay for... You know, Morgan and everything out of my savings. My savings was done. So to have those things taken, financially hurt, and then emotionally devastated. And we didn't talk to him for a good while. I found out my wife, my, my mom was. Um, but, but we weren't. 
And that's around the time he tried to kill himself for the first time. And it was, it was a, it was a drug overdose. They found him in the park naked. Talking about that he was burning up and acting crazy. And they Baker acted him into the hospital first to where they could stabilize him. And then they sent him to circles of care. He didn't have any insurance. And they, they turfed him out as fast as they could. And they'll do that. They'll they will do that too. And that's one of the things that I, I want to impress. Our system is awful. Our the system we have for helping people that are struggling is awful. Because a lot of times in this story, if there was an ability by an adult to get the guy help when he obviously needed it, we couldn't force it on anybody. But there was there were signs everywhere. I mean, he tried to kill himself, and they turfed him out. And my mom helped him, got him into like a halfway house. I talked to him at that point, you know, went to the hospital and saw him. And he did well for a little while. And then right back to it. Not the stealing, but back to the drugs and everybody could tell. Um, Asking for money. All the signs were back. And he attempted to do it again. This time he, he cut himself. Back in the hospital. Back in cir- circles of care. And back out before the the time he was allowed to stay in there by government mandate was like three days. He was out by two. Yeah. Well, it's, you if can you stay can, up to three days, but and, and they if, can release you before the three days if, if they're convinced that you're okay. Yep. And a lot of people will do just that. They will go in, oh yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine now, I'm fine now, and just to get released. They're not looking for help. They just want to get back out. My brother was always really a good schemer and a really good actor. He always had a get-rich-quick kind of scheme in his head, and he could convince you it was going to work. Whether it was the dumbest idea in the world, he was really good that way. So to convince a bunch of people that didn't care because they weren't getting paid from him anyway, that he was fine enough to leave was easy. Super easy. And there's nothing as a parent, my parents couldn't do anything, nothing as a brother, I couldn't do anything, he was an adult. And we couldn't scream at them enough, we will pay you, keep him in the fucking hospital. Keep him in in the program. After the second attempt, emotionally I didn't deal with it well. I didn't talk to him. It's my fault, really. I mean, yeah, he was going through struggles, but I walled myself off from him and just said, "I I got so much going on, I can't deal with it. You know what I mean? And I didn't. Found out my mom did. You know, she was emailing him and talking to him as much as possible. He wasn't seeing his daughter at all. Probably because he was ashamed of the way he was. Maybe he just didn't have his wits about him to do it. I don't know. He fell in love with somebody. But, you know, it was through the addiction that he found her. It wasn't a healthy relationship. And he was trying to clean himself up. But instead of cleaning himself up, he found an addiction in a person. And she was married but separated. And when she decided to go back to her husband, that's that's how that's how it basically ended for him. He was devastated. From what I hear, he was off drugs completely at that point. He was drinking heavily. So he traded one addiction for For another. For another and a girl. The night he died, and this is why I say it sucks for the laws suck, the way people the way things are, it really sucks. So, and this is, it's a story I've heard third hand, second hand, whatever it is. 
I can't tell you exactly how true any or all of this is, but the night he died, he was drunk before he got to the bar. And he got to the bar. He was drunk because the, the girl he loved was going back to her husband. And he got to the bar drunk and got really, really more drunk. Like, so drunk that he passed out at the bar and his heart stopped. And they called. They Somebody did CPR. Paramedics showed up. <laughs> they were able to start his heart. He was able to get himself up. He was able to get up and walk around. And again, I'm hearing, I'm, I'm hearing this all secondhand. I don't know exactly how bad it was, whether he was really, his heart stopped, whether he just passed out. But it was bad enough where paramedics were called that night and showed up and administered some kind of care for him. But because he got himself up and was able to move and said he didn't want to be taken anywhere, they let him leave the bar all by himself. The guy passed out to the point where paramedics had to be called was so drunk and they let him leave they let him walk let him walk right out now at the time i'm sorry no you're good i'm used to letting somebody else talk through these things <laughs> yeah I, i'm just kind of being quiet just listening to the story so after he left the bar the story gets pretty hazy we don't really know where he went initially or what he did he didn't have a car so he didn't drive but what we do know and the way he finally died, what we do know is, at some point, he decided to take his shoes and socks off, throw his phone, God knows where. It's the one thing I wish I had had, so I could, like, read about his life for the last several months. And we never found it. Put his phone somewhere, and then he laid down on the train tracks, and he got ran over. Wow. And that's how he died. So the coroner said, you know, if you call it lucky... He was probably so passed out, he never felt a thing. You know, it was probably pretty quick. And apparently, it happens a lot. Apparently, I don't, I haven't looked up the statistics about it, but my parents tried to reach out to the conductor because the guy obviously knew he just killed somebody. You would think he'd know. He might, listen, he might not have. He might not have seen him, but uh, they don't let you reach out to him. You know, they don't let you talk to him. They don't let you say anything because a lot of grieving parents, it's crazy when it happens. You know, some people blame him. I mean, as dumb as that sounds, the train's on a track and you can't stop it. Yeah, it's not stopping on a dime. So, uh, but, you know, people grieving do funny things. So they don't let you reach out. So we we never could find out who it was to apologize to him. The idea that you just killed somebody, even if it's what they decided to do, you know, that's traumatic for anybody. So, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't let him reach out. Um, my parents got a phone call to come identify the body they he didn't have a wallet on him either like he didn't keep his wallet he didn't keep his phone uh they i they id'd him because he had been arrested before and they knew what they had his fingerprints yep the tattoos but that's how he died which is brutal (laughs) i mean i tell people i I don't tell a lot of people i don't talk a lot about this i really don't no Um, like i said we've known each other for we'll say a little over four years and this is the first time I've heard the story. And, I mean, I know I'm not saying a lot over here, but I feel like, you know, this is your story to tell. There's not much for me to add or interject or anything like that. So I'm just sitting back and allowing you to tell your story. So, you know, I say I don't talk about a lot about it, but we're 45 minutes into my own podcast doing it. But um, I, I haven't told – I don't tell a lot of people how it happened. 
I don't mention that he died that way to a lot of people. I say I tell people I have a brother he died. Mostly because I can't talk about it without tearing up, even five years later. But, and I don't like doing that in public. I don't like doing it on the show, honestly. From there, I'm not sure what to say, you know. My parents didn't want to do, my parents were embarrassed about how it happened. I don't know if embarrassed or just, I mean, devastated, obviously. Probably extremely devastated, uh, disappointed, crushed, hurt. So they didn't want to do, they didn't want to do like a wake or anything like that, but my brother's former fiance said we had to do something, and my wife and, and, and she put it together. Now my parents paid for all of it, and they were there and, and appreciated everybody that came and visited, but they weren't going to do it because they were crushed. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, they were dealing with something and most parents should never, ever have to deal with, and that's burying one of their children. It's probably one of the single hardest things any parent will would will ever have to do so a couple more statistics the the rate of suicide is in families where there was already a suicide it's like 60 percent more likely yep i mean not like not like you're 60 percent of the time people do it but like compared to like normal percentages of suicide in a family where a suicide's already happened it's 60 percent more likely which and i'm gonna circle back real quick i told you a little bit about my cousin that had uh committed suicide in prison i'm really concerned about my other cousin uh he just got out of prison uh i think you've seen the post on facebook uh his daughters were in a well his daughter was in a car accident up in ohio and she got um she got rear-ended by an 18-wheeler and she ended up passing her uh, 13 year old and a 15 year old um one of them was his daughter so his brother committed suicide in prison he just got out, and his daughter died like two weeks after he got out of prison. So I've—I mean, I haven't talked to to this cousin in a long time. I'm talking ten, fifteen years. I haven't talked to him, and I just reached out to him two days ago for the first time just to see how he's doing. You know, if there's anything I can help him with, and I kind of feel like the way you felt towards your brother, towards him, where. You know, I, I I know he's a thief. I don't want him in my house. But at the same time, I'm kind of concerned because I don't know how he's going to react to to all these stresses that he's had to deal with in his life. Well, and here's the thing. Everybody tells you how you should react. You shouldn't, you shouldn't help him because it's just going to get him more drugs. You should help him because he's alone and it's going to cause more issues. Yep. No matter what you do, it's wrong. Yeah, I mean, there, it, it there's could no be, right answer. It could be, you could do the right thing, and you could do something, and it helps them completely and 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 great. But there's no set answer for each situation. The thing I wanted to close about the with the story is there's at least two things lately that I've noticed, and it hurts a little. So I'm now older than he was when he died, and I think about that, and it upsets me because. Shouldn't happen that way. I mean, until he died when he was old age, and then, you know, since I'm going to live forever. <laughs> so There's your funny for the evening. Um, and the other thing is, right now, my daughter's the age that my niece was when her father, when her father died. Yep. And I think about my kids and how, how they would be if I was gone. You know, it makes me think, how would they be without me? And it makes me amazed at how great she is, even my niece is, even though she's 
I don't want to say because it's family and you can't like I don't want to put this out there, but she has some issues that that I don't think will ever go away, obviously. But she's an honorable student and really well adjusted. <laughs> the way her her mom is an amazing person. I'm not that strong. If my wife died, I'm not that strong. I know I'm not that strong because I love my kids, but I don't know if I could do it on my own. So I think you could. I I think. I think people don't realize how truly strong they are until you absolutely have to be strong. Here's what I want to say about all this. If you know somebody going through struggles, help them. Don't hold grudges. Because I did. I did, especially after he stole from me. But all that gets you in the end is questions. Because after he died, I met with um, his roommates. You know, because he wasn't making enough money. Whatever he was doing, he he did day labor and stuff. He wouldn't make enough money to live on his own, and he lived with roommates. And I met with his roommates afterwards, and they didn't know he had a brother because he never talked about me. And I don't know if that was shame. I, you know, I didn't talk to him for months. I don't know if it was shame or, or him trying to start a new life, but they didn't know anything about me, which is it's fine. But at the end, I wasn't in his life. It's because I held a grudge. So I'm going to say don't hold grudges. Try and work it out. Always be... Always hold it as a distance because you know you can't have him back in your house like George said. I wouldn't have had him back in my house, but I, I wish I had tried a little harder because that time's gone forever. Like, he's gone. I'll never be able to talk to him again. And I had time to. And I didn't because... And look, what he did was terrible. It was terrible. He stole from me... At a point in my life where I couldn't afford to be burglarized. You know, it's not like I'm in a great situation now money-wise. But, like, I was in a point where I had nothing in the bank. So, so I had reason for not talking to him. But five years down the road... Looking back, it wasn't worth it. Right. So, and the other thing I want to say is most of you guys don't really know me personally. Although after this week, you know me a little bit better. If you ever get to this point, I want you to call me. I want you to email me. I want you to text me. I want you to reach out to somebody. If that's what it takes. Because And I've, I've done this for people before and talked to them for hours. I don't know if my wife knew that either. But there was somebody on a message board that was real close and they didn't want to call one of the 1-800 numbers. I didn't know him that well, but I, I'd been on the board for long enough. They knew me. And they called me and I talked to him and he's still, he's still around. If not me, reach out to somebody, somebody you care about. Don't do it. Cause it's not worth it. I've changed my attitude about suicide since then. People say it's selfish and, and to a certain extent it is, it was selfish, but it's also people struggling. Whatever their issue, it's struggling. So it's selfish because my, my niece is going to grow up without a dad. His fiancés get older without that husband. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff in his life and he, he just couldn't handle it anymore. And I'm mad at him and I'll be mad at him forever. Mad at him forever that he did that. And really, that's all I have to say. I mean, <laughs> I, I, uh, every year, that's a thing too. Anniversaries suck. Yep. Uh, fifth year anniversary, one of the first ones I didn't post on his Facebook page, because at this point, what else am I going to say? Um, 
the four years before it, I told him how badly he was missed and how mad I was at him for not being there. I was mad at him when he missed my son being born. Uh, I was mad at him that he missed my grandfather passing. At this point, I don't think you should be mad anymore. I think you should go on there tonight and just post that you love him. At, at this point, you shouldn't be mad anymore. You should just let him know that he was loved. So, no matter no matter what happened between the two of you, I, I think I think that's the the right thing to do. So that's the story. My wife actually might listen to this episode, so I'm gonna say, uh, Karen, I love you, <laughs> and uh, thank you for putting up with this uh, blubbering mess every year. And and whatever you do, don't die before Jason. Oh, don't. I mean, look at me. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> but she does five Ks. I. Anyway, so that's the story. With that said, George, do you have anything you want to... Yeah, just, uh, like, I just want to reiterate what Jason said earlier. If you know somebody's struggling, uh, somebody going through things, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't cost anything. Pick up the phone, give them a call, just say, hey, how you doing? You know, can I help you? If it's a family member, or it doesn't even have to be a family member, it could be somebody, you know, a close friend. You know, hey, just want to let you know, I was thinking about you, love you. It costs nothing. It could mean the world to that person. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what's on their mind. It, it could literally save a life. Letting them know that there's somebody there thinking about them. That there's somebody there caring about them. There's somebody there. All right, with that said, <laughs> if you want to reach out to me, I'm on the app. I'm at Dr. Mill. I'm at Geo. Uh, you can reach us on our Gmail account www.bftgpodcast at gmail.com you can reach us on twitter at bftgpod you can download us on itunes you can go to our stitcher uh, our website our website which is www.bftgpodcast.com and with that said i want to thank you for taking a break from your daily grind